Grab your Bibles and open them up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible today uh, with you today, there should be a red Bible in the pew before you're in front of you. It's page 955 is where we're going to be for most of the day. We want you to see that what we're talking about today comes from the Word of God. See, at Calvary, we firmly believe um, what Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, cor- uh, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All of Scripture is for our benefit. Everything that we read in this book um, has a purpose, and it does not return void. And it's there to prepare us for the good works that God has set before us as believers. It's why we, we make it a point to teach through whole books of the Bible. It forces us into some of the hard passages, and if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we have walked through some of the hard passages in 1 Corinthians. Ones that are dealing with sin. And not just any sin, but hard sins. And sins that are being committed um, in, in full view of the church. And in some ways in, con- in contradiction to what the church should stand for. Today I'm going to be continuing uh, with us in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to be continuing the message, our, our series entitled Life in the Church. But it's important that we understand that 1 Corinthians, I think I finally got it, that uh, 1 Corinthians was written to the church. It was written to believers. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. This, church, this letter was written to those who were sanctified. It was written to believers. And it was written to those who would be called saints. And that's all of us who have believed in Jesus Christ. The word saint, and Ben outlined it for us last week, but it, it means God set apart ones. It means that we were set apart for His good works. So if you're with us, today and you have put your hope in Jesus, you are sanctified. Your sins have been forgiven. And you're called saints. That means you're the carrier of God's image. You're the carrier of God's glory to the people around us. We are God's set-apart holy people. And we're to reflect God's glory to the rest of the world. Last week, uh, ben took us through verses 9 through 11, and they remind us of the immoral. And Ben reminded us that this is people that are living in and identifying with their sin. Uh, people who have no desire to get out of it um, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not people that are struggling with sin. You and I all struggle with sin. It's people who live in it who don't want a way out. They don't see it as, as wrong. That's who Paul was talking about. Verse 11 reminds us, 
Such were some of you. But, I love the word but in Scripture. It almost always is followed by just the beautiful grace of God. But, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the Spirit of our God. All of us, brothers and sisters, have a past. No matter where your journey and your experience with Christ started, you have a past. And it falls into those sins we talked about. For some of us, it falls deeply into those sins of sexual immorality or idolatry or greed. But all of us have a past before Jesus Christ. And yet that was washed. That is not who we are now. We're not to identify with that anymore. We are a new work. We are a new creation in Jesus. We're justified by trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So I want you to keep that in mind as we press into uh, the end of chapter uh, the end of chapter six, verses twelve through twenty. Paul is going to continue to address issues that he sees in the Corinthian church. He's going to continue to press into the sin that they are getting entangled in. Begins, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. You've got to understand, these are not... I think as an immature believer, when I was younger in Christ, I looked at this, and, and the NIV phrases it a little, a little differently. It says, all things are permissible. And we want to take that as a Christian, um, as I can do whatever I want. Anything is permissible. It might not all be beneficial, but I can do it. And that's the, what the uh, Corinthians were falling into. They were falling into this misunderstanding um, of, of the liberty and the freedom that they had in Christ. But when we dig into this piece of Scripture, you understand that this was a cultural saying. This was part of who the Corinthians were. See, Corinth sat in between two uh, ports that connected um, the, the world, connected different parts of the world uh, across the Mediterranean. And so it was a hotbed of cultural activity, um, it was influenced, the culture was largely influenced by, by all the surrounding people that would come in. And prostitution and sexual immorality was rampant in that city as a part of the culture. And these were slogans. It's kind of like um, the slogan that we hear now, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You hear that all the time. They even advertise using that slogan. But you and I, if you've known anybody that goes to Vegas, not much that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Everybody wants to tell you the wickedness that they got into when they were there, right? Um, that's what the Corinthian, these were, was Corinthian sayings. All things are lawful for me. And Paul responds, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. But I, Paul responds again, I will not be dominated by anything. And then the, another saying that they would make, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. 
And God will destroy both one and the other. See, the Corinthians had a misunderstanding also of the importance of the body. See, they didn't really understand resurrection. They didn't understand that, that our bodies were going to be resurrected. And so they thought whatever they did to their body didn't matter. And they lived that way. Verse 13 goes on. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and he will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? And we hear this phrase, this is I think the fourth time in chapter 6 where we hear the phrase, do you not know? Paul is addressing and he wants to firmly address the Corinthians in a way that they understand. This is not something new. I have told you this before. Do you not know? Or maybe it's something that they should just by nature understand. Your bodies are members of Christ. Paul does a really good job throughout his, all the epistles that he wrote of helping us understand, and we're going to press into it even more in 1 Corinthians as we, as we move through uh, in the coming chapters. But the body of Christ is the church. We all participate in that. And so if things are not functioning well for us, there's dysfunction in the body. If sin is rampant among us, there's dysfunction in the, in the body. Ephesians four fifteen through 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we have sin in the church, it causes us to not be able to grow into the picture of Christ that we are to be. It causes us to not be able to uh, display the glory of Christ as we are to display the glory of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two would become one flesh. He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Unity with Christ is incompatible with sin. But sexual sin carries an interesting weight, right? Because God created the union, the physical union between a man and a woman. God created it for the purposes of bonding us together to husband to wife. I'm not a scientist, but I've read a few books now on, on the neurological, the, the brain chemistry that happens. And it was intentional. God made us this way to bond us together with one another as husband and wife. And when that happens, when our, 
when we uh, inappropriately join ourselves to someone else, we create a bond with somebody that there's not supposed to be a bond with. And breaking that bond is hard. And it doesn't matter what sexual sin, what that sexual sin is, any of it is going to create some kind of a bond that is going to be difficult to break. And Paul wants us to understand that this is a dangerous place for Christians. This is a dangerous sin to fall into. And if we're honest, church, the research says that all of us um, are going to encounter it. And the research also says that some of us are struggling in it right now. Paul continues in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. It's a strong flee. There's sin in our world. It's, it's around us every day. And a lot of it, we can live in the world and not be of the world and be okay. But Paul's very clear. When it comes to sexual sin, flee. Run from it. One of my favorite passages um, in Scripture is Mark chapter 9, 43-48. Jesus is giving a a picture of how to deal with sin. And it's strong. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands go go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It's a hard passage. And I don't think that it literally means we should be cutting off our hands, right? But the idea is we need to, church, have a radical, a radical attitude towards sin. And in the case of 1 Corinthians, we need to flee. What would it look like if we could flee from all of our sins, but especially those ones that that are particularly difficult to break from once we're into them? The ones that are partic- cause particular addiction that will, will tie us to them and, and will draw us maybe back into a place where we identify with them. Because the danger there is that if we go from claiming Christ to identifying with our sin, maybe we were never saved. Flee from sexual immorality. The danger is. Back into 1 Corinthians, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? 
if you've trusted in Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises us in John chapter six, or John chapter, excuse me, John chapter sixteen. The Holy Spirit is the promised helper. Jesus tells us it's better that he leaves. It's better that he goes away. That's an interesting concept, right? Because you'd think, man, it'd be great to have Jesus here right next to us. And yet Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer is better than if he were here in this room. We have the power of the Holy Spirit as believers in Jesus Christ. And He seals us for eternity. And He guides us away from the temptations that we're going to face. Moving on. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There was a cost to our freedom from sin. There was a cost for the coming of the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus on the cross. It was His blood spilled out. Listen to how Paul puts this in Romans six fifteen through 23 What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if, you're, if you present yourselves as, to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, that's all of us, right? All of us. Even if you've known Christ your entire life and you don't remember a time you didn't know Jesus, you were a slave to some form of sin. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
the free gift of God, the gift that God freely gives us, was paid for. And it had a high cost. God sent His own Son to die on the cross on our behalf. And we're justified by that. We're justified by that price. And Christ begins a new work in us. changes our hearts. He changes our minds. He puts us, takes us out. He puts us in the context of verse 11. But such were some of you, but no more. You have been sanctified. You are saints. And we're to glorify God with our body. Calvary, we were not meant for sin. There was a time in all of us that sin, that we were slaves to it, that we couldn't get away from it, that it identified us and we identified with it. And we delighted in it. But the fruit of that sin was death. And it led us away from Christ. We've been saved through the blood of Jesus. And the fruit of that is new life. It's sanctification. It's righteousness in our bodies. We don't have freedom in the sense that we may want to think of freedom. But let's be clear that when we were slaves to sin, we also did not have freedom. We couldn't help ourselves. We were going to continue on that path. We do not have the freedom to sin. And especially not in a public, outward way that's going to ruin ourselves and it's going to ruin our bodies and it's going to ruin our relationship with the Lord. And again, I want to remind you, this is not the struggling with sin that we all encounter. It's not the, oops, I gave in to that little temptation kind of sin. It's identifying with the sin. It's practicing the sin It's engaging in it with no care of the world. We are to flee from that, and we are to flee our temptations to the best of our ability, and we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit will give us strength in that moment, that He will provide the way out, and that we would walk through it by the grace of Jesus. Dealing with sin and dealing with our sin is difficult. And next week we're going to try to uh, put a little bit more practicality on it. Um, we're going to try to talk about how do we live righteously. Um, not as a means of gaining our salvation, but a, as a tool to help us 
become more and more like Christ. And so um, as we go from this place, this we dealt with the fact that uh, that we don't have the freedom sin. Next week we're going to talk about how we look towards Christ and how we fix our eyes on Him to allow Him to grow us closer and closer so that we more closely reflect the image of our Savior. Pray with me. Father, thank You. Thank You that Your Word is true. And thank You that You have saved us by the blood of Jesus. If we put our hope and our trust in You, we are sanctified as believers in Jesus Christ. And we are in the process of being renewed to be more and more like You. Jesus, if there are people here who don't know You, let them clearly know that the free gift of God is available to them. And that, that no matter what sin they're entangled in, what, they're, what sin they're identifying with, that Jesus, you made a way for us to be free from that sin, that we no longer have to live uh, in slavery to our sin, but we can uh, instead be free from that and, and trust our lives to you. And that you will transform us and you will save us. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Amen.